God is good, amen? amen. Welcome this morning. I know some are wondering, and some well, Pastor Mike, why are you wearing flannel? You don't often see me in flannel. It actually will play a part into the message if I don't run out of time. But I want to give you the real reason. I went to bed last night before my wife, and I had the window open this much. When I woke up this morning, the window was open this much. And when I breathed, I could see my breath. And I've been chilled ever since. You ever have that feeling? And so here I am, and I just had to get warm, and I saw this. Anyway, that's not true. I am a baby. You get cold. We're in day 14 of the Daniel fast. You know, when you're fasting and stuff, your, your body gets really sensitive. I'm really sensitive right now. Please. I'm really, you know what I'm really sensitive right now to? Red meat. And um, so it's good to have you, though, this morning. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to City Point and all of our visitors and and our church family. We love you. We appreciate you. I'm, I'm so excited that you're here today. Um, God's just been doing some amazing things. Sandra, why don't you come on up here? Where's the, bring that mic with you. Welcome, Sandra. So, you know, we've been in this 60, I don't know, today's maybe 70. We've hit 70 and uh, of, of prayer and just a special emphasis, and we've been really going hard after God, and then the whole prayer thing has just been actively uh, coming alive. So I'm going to let Sandra tell you, I'll give you a little testimony about what God's doing. Go ahead. So my aunt is here. This is my aunt Holly. Yeah, you you don't have to you, just turn around and wave at her. But this is her aunt. She's here this morning. Now tell her the miracle that this, she's this here. This is the me. reason why I'm up here. Um, a couple months ago, we had quite a scare. We were told she had adrenal gland cancer, which is one in a million. And if she were to have the surgery, she'd have 30% chance of coming out of it because of her health issues. My mom went to Mario, talked to him, and I also sent up message out to the prayer team to please pray for her because she's dear to our family. Um, due to Mario and everybody that's prayed for her, she made it through the surgery. She's cancer-free. Wow. God. That's awesome. That's awesome. Woo. Glory to God. Come on, church. It, hallelujah. Praise God. This just shows how good our God is. Yeah. We could, we could praise him. We love him. And as long as we give our hearts to him, he's going to give back. And this just shows I've got my aunt still. And Amen. I love her. God is and good. thank you guys so much for praying for thank her. Thank you. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Amen. Isn't God good? Do you have a, my PowerPoint ready? There we go. You did get it. I, I was having questions. This is crazy, crazy mornings. So uh, I want to get right into this this morning and uh, share with you what's on my heart. And the title of this and uh, today is All Mixed Up. Have you ever been mixed up? <laughs> and... Uh, and I, I, I want to I share it to you today, I believe, in a, in a very life-changing kind of way. But there are some things, you know, in this whole thing, and we're going to go to the book of Hebrews here in a second. But there are just some things that just do not mix. You know, y'all, you, here's a picture of a oil and water. We know oil and water just don't mix. You can add more water, you can add more oil, but, but there's, they're never just going to mix. And um, now if you, there's certain things that will mix with oil. There's a lot of good things that will mix with water, but oil and water will not mix. Everybody okay? You got that? Then in the end, I found this picture. I just wanted to share this in the interest of the fast. 
Um, here's, a, here's an ice cream. I have this thing for ice cream. So, but I come up with a new flavor. I was, I was you know, I, I was really, I'm really tired of drinking water. And so I went this, the other morning, I got up early to get to prayer meeting, and I grabbed a glass of orange juice, pure orange juice, no sugar added. And uh, I drank this orange juice. Then I ran into the bathroom to brush my teeth. You know, toothpaste and orange juice just don't mix. And in the interest of that, I've invented a new Ben and Jerry flavor called toothpaste and orange juice. And, um, and it'll remind you just how things do not mix. Um, here's another one, too, in interest. There's, a, there's this one I just had to put in. I don't know why. Here's cookie-scented Purex. Man, I I'm, I'm, can't wait to get back to the cookies, too. In fact, I'm going to get two fresh cookies, fill it full of ice cream, and I'm going to eat it on day 22. <laughs> yeah. So, so this, this, this doesn't make sense, you know. I mean, the, I love cookies, and I love Purex, but I don't want to smell like a cookie. Does that make sense? But in the interest of that, I, I want you to go with me to your Bibles, and I want you to Go to Hebrews chapter 4, and um, we're actually going to look at uh, some unbelieving believers out of the book of Hebrews, which that, that, that's an interesting phrase, as an unbelieving believers, because that, does, that just doesn't mix. I mean, if you're a believer, you should be believing, but here we find in the book of Hebrews, unbelieving believers, and we're going to really focus it around uh, this uh, first and second verse of Hebrews chapter 4 and being around this for, a, for a, just a few moments this morning. And um, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. It says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today. So he, the writer of Hebrews, you know, uses a lot of the Old Testament pictures, types and shadows to to give us understanding of what we have and what we have access to and what we actually have in Christ Jesus as they were depicted in the Old Testament. One of those things is the rest. So the rest has to do with the Sabbath that um, God created way back in the beginning. And, then, and so I'm just getting you prepped. I want you to be thinking about this. So there's a promise, there, and, and we're going to back up here because in, you see, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you ask yourself this question. You've heard me say this many times. You ask, why is that therefore, therefore? So you always back up and you find the therefore. You find that why that therefore is therefore. And when you find that, then you understand based on that, here he's saying this. And it's important to keep it into context because, of course, rest and the Sabbath is and can be totally misconstrued and made something different than what the Scripture intended it, which we know has happened today where people get all hung up on which day of the week do we worship. Well, let me just give you the quick answer to that. We worship every day. Thank you very much. So here we go. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today. So there's something important. There's something powerful about his rest. That's why God gave you a promise. He gave us promises for taking us to places that we need to go. And this place we need to go is to enter his rest and he said, it is still alive today, the rest is still important today, and it's freely offered today because a lot of people want to, you know, d differentiate between the old and the new and what God did then and what is he doing now. And, and, and the fact remains that this rest goes way back in the beginning, it even predates the Old Testament, and then it carries through, and today the promise still remains and is freely offered today, let us fear in case any one of you may seem to come short of it, uh, short of reaching it, or think he has come too late. Now think about this. So let us be, 
Let us be aware. Let us fear. That's what he's, he's, he's talking about, a, a godly kind of fear. That, uh, that, that we check ourselves in case any of you may seem to come short of reaching it. Because here's the thing. If you come short of reaching this rest, you come completely short of the purpose of Christ and why he came. Now, bear with me here because, if, you know, because you're going, wait a minute, I mean, how does that work? Well, when we get into this, because you have to ask yourself, then what is this rest? What is it? Why is it so important? And how, how do I get into it? And, uh, and so what we need to do is go back to chapter 3 because we're going to find the therefore. So here we go back to chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. In verse 18 and 19, he explains how these people in the Old Testament it failed to enter into God's promised rest. And in fact, the closer they got to the promise, the more unbelief and doubt and fear became evident in them. Let's read the Let's read the verse, Hebrews 3, 18, 19. And which people was God talking to when he promised that they would never enter his place of rest? He was talking about the Israelites who came out of Egypt. Now we sang about it this morning. He split the sea that they could walk right through it, right? Is that what they did? And they walked right through the sea and got delivered from Pharaoh and, and, and Egypt and they came, out of, they came out of a nation where they were being held as slaves. But now think about this. They, they walked into the wilderness, and the wilderness was supposed to be about an 11-day journey. And in that, they were going to have their faith tested. They were going to come across some some, some, some challenges and, and they would be without water and, and they would have to exercise their faith and they, they, would, they, would be, uh, they would be in a wilderness and so God had to, they had to have their faith in God to provide everything for them, direction. They didn't know where they were going. So God, they, they had to have faith for everything. Can I tell you this morning that when you come into Jesus and you surrender your life to him, it is intended by God that Jesus become everything to you, but you're still going to have to exercise faith Amen. to walk into everything that God has for you because there is a testing that you're going to go through that is going to reveal if there is any doubt or fear or unbelief in you. Amen. Now listen to what it says. It says that which people God was, was he talking to, well, we know they were the Israelites, that they would never enter in his place of rest. They, we know that they wandered 40 years and that whole generation died in the wilderness. Whew. I mean, they, that whole generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. Now listen to what it says. He was talking to those who did not obey him. Underline those words right there, obey him. Underline it, because that's what you need to see here. He was talking to those who did not obey him. Today, God is talking to us. He's talking to you and I. And, and we're going we're gonna to talk about entering into the rest. And we ask the question, how do we get here? Well, the answer is you have to obey him. Look at your neighbor and say, obey him. Because if you do not obey him, you will not enter into this rest. Now, here's the thing. Partial obedience doesn't work either. It's complete obedience. So we see, let's go on. So we see, so we see that they were not allowed to enter and have God's rest because what? They did not believe. They did not believe that they could walk into this rest. Now, the rest was going to be and represented in, 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 in the promise, the fulfillment, walking into the promise for them. But note it says they did not believe. 
Now, the thing about receiving from God, church, listen to me. Every one of you, listen to me. I know that we have got to understand this because none of God's blessings come apart from believing. So everything that you get from God first begins with believing. Now, believing is when you, in your mind and connected to your heart, you agree with what God says. So believing is important, and believing is the first step. And here's what happened. Now, listen to me, because people have asked, you know, they go, well, what's the difference between believing and faith? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Because, see, believing brings you into contact, into agreement with the very promise and the very purpose and the very power of God. And once you get into agreement with the promise of God, then God allows faith to rise up on the inside of you. And faith is stronger than just believing. Because faith, faith is beyond just a mental assent. Faith becomes a conviction. And, and, and it's like, I know this is true, and not only do I know it's true, I embrace it as my truth, and I refuse to be separated from that truth. So faith is the strength of what you believe coming to life and saying, I'm going to be one with what God has promised, and you can't separate me from that promise because I am then going to walk in what God said. I'm going to have what God says I have. I'm going to be what God says I am. I'm going to walk in what God says I am. And nothing can separate me. I don't care what the evidence on the outside is. I know in my heart I trust God. I believe God. I've embraced God. And therefore I have what he says I have. I am what he says I am. And I live in what he says I live in. And therefore nothing can separate. Now if you just have a mental assent, somebody with a better argument can argue you out of your belief. But when you have faith, you have a conviction and you cannot be persuaded out of your conviction. Do you get that? See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gives the undergirding, the foundation, the, the substance is the, is, is the real solid rock that you stand on. Why? Because I trust God. And if God said it, he'll do it. That's all I need. All I need is, God, you said it then I know you're going to do it. Come on, church. When you have faith in God, then God becomes the object of your devotion. Faith cannot even be separated by death. Y'all have to meditate on that right there. Because it may even appear like death. What about death? Death is just the doorway into the reality of everything I've been believing for. That's why Jesus said, if you believe in me, you shall never die. And you see, this, this, this faith that, that, that he was talking about, he says, they weren't allowed to enter into God's rest because they did not believe. Now, we understand then why that therefore is therefore. Now, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, because this is where we're going here. It says, for indeed... Now, this is really interesting right here. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now, that's really interesting, isn't it? You're saying they had the gospel preached to them? Well, it was the gospel as, as they had the revelation of it at that time. We know Jesus had not come yet. Are you with me? Don't let me lose you here now because people say, well, you know, there's the Old Testament is the law and the New Testament is grace and they're completely different. But let me tell you something. Grace is in the Old Testament just like it is in the New. Because, for example, if David would have got what the Old Testament called for, he would have been stoned to death. But David found grace 
in the Lord and he found a salvation beyond the law and he trusted Christ and David was a forerunner of what was to come for us because he saw Jesus in a way that not too many in the Old Testament did. Even Noah, the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You can find the gospel throughout the whole from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation whatever, 21-1, I don't know. But, it, what, but what, whatever you find in the Bible, you still find the gospel because the whole book is his book, it's his story, and it's how we get to him and how he gets salvation to us and gets heaven down from, from up there down into us. Come on, shout amen, somebody. So he said the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. So they had, the, they had the gospel preached to them in their dispensation and their time, but there was no profit, there was no gain, there was no benefit for them. And they notice he's, he's not writing, he's not, putting, he's not pointing an accusation at them, he's trying to warn us. He's saying, hey church, they had the gospel preached. It didn't profit them. You need to learn from their example. What's he trying to warn us from? Falling into unbelief. Because if you move into unbelief, the gospel will not prosper or profit you, prosper or profit you. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So just like oil and water, faith Faith and unbelief do not mix. Hey, Terry, would you help me? Would you bring that? Hey, you can hand me the water. Let me make this. I want the stand, too. Can you do? You want me to take that? Well, then what do I need you for? Just hand me the stand. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Looks like a lion tamer. Thank you, honey. Thank you. I'll buy you lunch later. So think about this, this thing that doesn't mix. Faith and unbelief do not mix. The promises of God and unbelief do not mix. Look at your neighbor and say they do not mix. And so we take, you know, the Bible says that the, 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 the Bible is like water. It's the washing of the water of the word. You know, so this is, this is just tap water. This is not a magic trick. I'm not, I'm just trying to illustrate something. This may be the one and only time I ever do this. Let me see. So here's the water. Here's the word of God. Here's the, you take this, the word, and contained in the word are the promises of God, the power of God all that God has for you. And so in that, what you have to do to make this effective though, no matter how good this water is and how good the word is, and how many of you know the promises of God are really good? Man, I'm only here today because of the promises of God. You're only here today because of the promises of God. You know, and you've been through something that dramatic, so suddenly the promises of God begin to get more and more important to you. When you're in a crisis, when you're in a wilderness, when you're in a, when you're in a desert place, suddenly the promises of God are sometimes all you've got to hang on to. Because the doctors tell you there's no hope, or the doctors say there's not much of a hope, or the doctors say we've done all we can do, or, or, or your children say I don't want anything to do with you anymore, or your, or your family just completely rejects you, and, and, and you get fired from your job, and even the dog bites you because life is just rough, and your pickup truck dies, and you're ready to write the perfect country and western song. But let me tell you something, when you're going through those things, God help me, I'm on a roll here, don't stop me. And so here, here we go. We, we're going through those things, but no matter how good the promises of God are, you still have to mix them with faith. Because there's thousands of promises in the book, but not one of them mean anything until you connect it with your faith. And so if you have any unbelief in you, you see what happens is life has a way of revealing your unbelief. 
He didn't do that. I'm trying to cut, not cut myself. I'm a bleeder. <laughs> the sight of blood, especially my own, you'd see me pass out. So here's, here's unbelief. Here's just a bag full of unbelief. Because face it, folks, we all struggle. Even though we know how great the promises of God are, we struggle. We struggle with unbelief, and we struggle wrapping our hearts around what God has said. And the thing is, even though we try to, we try to say, well, I'm believing God, and I'm trusting God, and I'm going to do this and all that, and, 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 and if there's unbelief in you, you know, the circumstances, the things of life, the, the, the wilderness has a way of revealing it. When Israel came up against the dryness of, of no water, it, it says they murmur and they complain. Now, here they were just brought fresh out of Egypt. Listen to me. They were delivered from slavery, no longer a slave to fear. You have delivered me and, and you have saved me. And, and they get into the wilderness in just a few days and, 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 and you see what it reveals. And they get before this place and they try to get a drink and the waters are bitter. And what comes out of them? What came out of them? They murmured and complained because that's a sign of unbelief. And you see, it was one thing to physically get out of Egypt, but in their hearts they were still enslaved. Let me tell you how you can know you're in slavery. How much are you grumbling and complaining? Because if you're grumbling and complaining, you're still a slave. And you sing the words of that song all you want. But it's when those songs become a real to you and you realize, man, here I am, God, in a, in a dry place. But, oh, God, I hold on to your promise that you will become the wells of the water of salvation to me. And, God, I stand in this place and know that I will not die here. You didn't bring me here to leave me here. Israel should have stood up with one voice and said, God, you didn't bring us out of Egypt to cause us to die right here. God, we're trusting you. We're believing you. And then they should have sang a song of glory and shouted a shout of praise. But instead they go, oh God, it would have been better for us to stay in Egypt. Because unbelief and, God, and God's promises don't mix. So watch this. just don't mix. You can mix this all around all you want. You can go to church more. You can pray more. You can cry more. You can complain more. Or you can combine your complaining with your prayer, and that's what most of our prayer meetings are. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> because no matter what you do, no matter what you do, these aren't not going to mix. They, having the promises, having the promises did not mix it with faith. And because they did not mix it with faith, it did not profit them. They never entered into God's rest. You see, what I'm trying to share with you this morning, I'm not, here, I'm not here to lay a guilt trip on you, but I'm here to help you because, see, there comes a point where you have to face and deal with this, and I'm here to tell you today that God wants to give this, give every one of you here, every one of us came struggling with some levels of unbelief. No, I, I'm, that's not an accusation. It's, I, I, I stood here today. I stand here today. And I tell you, as a pastor, I struggle with this too because uh, there's times that fear gets a hold of me. There's times I worry. You know what, you know what fear and worry and anxiety is? They're just expressions of unbelief. When you, start, when you start feeling like I have to make something happen or you start feeling like I've got to do something. And, and, and I remember talking to a, a sweet old grandmother one time and she was just so caught up in, in, in worry for her grandchildren. 
And I said, I said, Grandma, I said, you got to quit worrying about your grandkids. And she, and she had taken on kind of like a ministry. And she said, well, if I don't worry about them, who will? And I said, Jesus. Because your job is not to worry. God did not call you to worry and fear and fret. It's a verse that God has been like wrecking me with and and uh, it's in Psalm 46.10. Now in the King James, y'all know this verse in the King, this is how I memorize it. 46.10 says, be still. Everybody, elbow your neighbor and say, be still. Be still. <laughs> And it says, be still and know that I am God. And now, in the New American Standard Version, here's what it says. I love this. I love this. I love this. And it just, because in my journey over the last, especially these last 70 days and in these two weeks of, of, of just really going intently after God, I keep hearing God tell me, Mike, be still, be still, be still. And I was reading this week, and I got, it, I got it in the New American Standard, and I thought, wow, I never saw this before. So many good translations, but this, this brought a, a side of it. I, I know I, I have a hard time sitting still. I'm, I'm a person that seems like I just got to get to something. I got to be doing something. I need, to, I need to fix it. I need to get at it. I need to, man, I can do this. And, 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 and all that does is put me in a place of striving. And here's what the New American Standard says. It says, cease striving. See, if there's a striving in you, if you're, if, you're, if you're feeling anxious and you're feeling pressured and you're feeling all, all kind of like just worried, can I use that word? Because the people are going to say, well, I'm not worried, and yet you're laying awake at night and you're staring at the ceiling. Oh, I'm not worried. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not worried, but then when, when things go wrong, you get all bent out of shape and you start... You start falling apart. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but how, how many, don't raise your hands. Please don't raise your hands. How many of you this week had a meltdown when things just didn't go white right and maybe a number of things attacked you and maybe it didn't even come like inwardly, but it, all of a sudden you lashed outwardly at somebody and you started yelling at somebody, you started screaming at somebody because all of this pent up stuff in you and all of it is is striving. Yeah. And it, what the striving represents is, listen, see striving and know that I am God. So you know what you're doing if you're striving? You're not walking in the full knowledge of God. Because if you really knew God and you knew God was in control and God holds everything, including me, in his hands, I wouldn't be anxious. I won't be worried. I will not fear. If I know God's in control, then it would be expressed in how I could walk in peace and composure in all things, knowing that God has me and my situation under his control. But if I'm striving, it's a signal that God is not in full control of my life. But Pastor Mike, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my marriage. I'm worried about, but see, there's an answer. There's a Bible has an answer for you for that. The Bible says in Romans 14, 23, whatever is not from faith is sin. So any kind of area that causes us to strive and get in fear and worry, we know has its root in unbelief. Now, it, therefore, we just, here's, here's, I wanted to give you that because you say again, Pastor Mike, are you trying to make us feel bad? No, I'm trying to show you that, that the enemy tries to lead you into sin by tempting you into worry, fear, and anxiety and all the drama that goes around it. See, I know mo most of you are not going to, you're not going to go down for like drugs or alcohol or adultery, but there's a good many of us here that are going to stumble over fear and worry and unbelief.
And it's going to be manifested in this striving and this anxiousness and anxiety that's manifested in our life and the lack of peace and the lack of this self-control. And so here's what 1 Peter 5 says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. There's nothing more humbling than to have a problem that you can't deal with. But here's, here's the practical way that you humble yourself. You cast all your anxiety on him. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that it may exalt you at proper time. We all know that verse. Oh, I need to humble myself. But, 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 we, but how many of us really carry out the practical application of humility? How do you humble yourself? By casting all your anxiety on him. Because you know what real pride is? Pride is carrying something you were not meant to carry. Pride is trying to fix something that you have not got the power to fix. Pride is thinking, I'm going to take care of a situation that you have no business putting your hand to. How many? I want to see a raise of hands now. How many of you have put your hand to a situation and made it worse? Touchdown. But you see, what he says to do is cast. Here's, what, here's that word casting in the, in the Greek here. It's hurl. Hurl. It's, it's, it's like literally a violent, it's a violent, you know, like you ever watch a pitcher pitch in the major leagues? It's such a violent action if you really, and you watch, it's no wonder pitchers don't last all that long and they have shoulder problems and have to have Tommy John surgery for their elbows because the act of hurling is a violent act. Come on now. You see, some of you are fighting some things and your passivity, you're just sitting on your hurt. You're just sitting on your anxiety. You're sitting on your worry. You're sitting on your fear. You're sitting on all the trouble that's around you. And what he says, I want you to hurl all your anxiety. How much of it? Some of it? A little of it? That, I looked that up in the Greek. All means all. So here, can you do this with me? I want you to like go from the inside, go like this, and get all the care, all the anxiety that's in your heart right now. Come on. Think, get, think, get, think about this. We're not in a hurry here. You see, some of you are carrying some really heavy stuff, and you're hiding it really good. And some of you are really trying to give yourself a pep talk. But you know you're striving. You know you're not resting. You know you're not resting in Jesus and resting in his finished work. You know you haven't entered into his rest, what he has done. You know you're trying to do it. And I want you to take all of your care. Take that hurt. Take that person that you've got an awe against. Take that unforgiveness. Take that anger inside of you. You got mistreated or you got abused or you got hurt as a child. Even You've been carrying it for years. Maybe it is a physical calamity and you're mad and bitter because you've been trying to say, God, I don't want to be healed. And you've, you've walked under this sickness and this affliction and you've questioned God. And then you've tried to, you've been to like the woman with the issue. You've been to all these physicians and I'm not against doctors. Believe me, I thank God for doctors and I'm not against going to see doctors. I've been to a few good ones in my day. Thank God for them. But when you start getting mad and you start getting angry and you start getting frustrated and you start getting afraid and you start hurting, it's time for you to take that thing and bundle it up. I want you to bring it up right from your heart. Now look at me. I want you to take it right here behind your head, just like a pitcher or John Elway, whichever one you like the best. And I want you to hurl it now. Just let it go. Hurl it. Listen, Holy Spirit, it may seem silly, but Lord, right now I know you're, 
You're speaking to people. And what you're doing, Holy Spirit, is showing them the need to take their hurt, their disappointment, their labor, their striving, all of their fruitless works and all of their energies that they've been burning to try to fix this. All the silent frustration and all the quiet anger and all the low, low burning uh, anxiety, God, that's just burning in their heart, God. Holy Spirit, right now. Holy Spirit, right now. Take that anxiety from them. Lift that anxiety off of them right now. Come on, you got to let it go. You got to mix it with faith. Casting all your care. Why? Because he cares. Because he cares. Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. Are you with me? Now look up here, listen to me. Because he cares for you. He went all the way to the cross. And he took all of the pain and the suffering, the sin and the sickness that should have been ours. And he bore it on his body. He took all the rejection, all the suffering. He took all of everything that we deserved as sinners. He took it all in his own body. And he died. And he took it all and he buried it. And when Jesus came out of the grave, he came out a life-giving spirit. That's what Paul said. He is, a, he is a life-giving spirit. And the way that you enter into his life is you enter into his rest. So I want you to get this picture. Now get this. Because the, the, the root word for rest is the word Sabbath, where we get our English word for Sabbath. But here, when I was studying this word, it just so blessed me because the root of this word, Sabbath, means... Listen to this, to celebrate. So the Sabbath in its intent of God was a celebration. Now get this, in six days God, the Bible says, created the heavens and the earth. Are you with me? Have I lost y'all? On six days he created the sun, the moon, the stars, he created the animals, he created everything. And What did God create on the sixth day? He created man, and he saw that the man he had created was good, and created male and female, he created them. And then it says in Genesis chapter 2, and on the seventh day, God rested. Was God tired? He's the everlasting God who has no limitation of strength or power or energy. You know what God did on the seventh day? He celebrated. Now listen to me. This gets really better. This can really get better because this, this melts your heart. This will change your life. Who did he create on the sixth day? Adam's first day was God's seventh. He created Adam on day six. On day seven, Adam's first full day, God celebrated. God's like, let's have a party. 
It wasn't like, Adam, get to work, man. We got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. Look at this garden. Look at all this stuff. You got, a lot, you got to get to this name and you got to get to all this stuff. And God says, no, Adam, come on. Here's why I created you. I created you to bring you in. I want to bring you into my presence. I want to bring you into me. I want to bring you into all that I am. I want to bring you into my identity and who I am as, a, as your father and as your, as your God and as your savior. And I want you to celebrate with me, Adam, because this is a cause for a celebration because we're going to enter into a communion that's so powerful. We're going to enter into something so sweet and so, so, so life-changing, Adam, that you're going to just love me all the days of your life. You see, that was what the seventh day was all about. It's not a religious thing. It's a relationship thing. It's not a hard thing. It's an it's a easy thing. It's a great thing. It's that man, and, 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 and so get this, when you get saved, that's why God says, get all the angels together. It's time for a, a celebration. When the prodigal son came home, the father didn't say, where you been? You left your jobs and chores undone. Get back to work. He said, oh, kill the fatted calf. It's time for a celebration. Church should be a celebration. Your life should be a celebration. Quit holding your head down and living like a refugee. You're a child and daughter of God. Celebrate. 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 So get this. So this is like, the, this is like awesome. I'm like getting my socks blessed off, you know, and I'm thinking about all this blast. Getting my blood blessed blah, blah, blah. Hallelujah. I'm about to get drunk or something. You can have some too. <laughs> and so here we go. I, I, well, this week we're just having prayer. And then Kim comes Friday morning. She does the, she does the prayer thing Friday morning. And I mean, I'm, you know, we just, you know, and I was like, whew, so glad it's Friday. So glad it's Friday. Because, you know, you really can, if you're not careful, you can get, it's really easy as believers to slip into striving. Some of, you are, some of you have not walked out your rest. You have been working for God, and that's why you're tired. Matthew 11, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that heavy, heavy laden and burdened. I will give you, I'll give you a reason to celebrate. Take my yoke on you. For my yoke is easy, it fits, and my burden is light. And I know yoke, yoke represents work, right? When you yoke with something, you're, but here's the good news. When you yoke up with Jesus, he does all the work. <laughs> so Kim comes Friday morning and she brings up, she says, I want to talk today about this woman. And I'm like, which woman? Oh, you women, what are you, what, 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 what women? She said, I'm going to talk about, she said, turn to Second King. I want, you to get, I want you to go with me, and I'm going to close with this. I want you to go to Second Kings chapter 4. In Second Kings chapter 4, I guess I'm going to go to it here. This is the story of the, of the Shunanite woman. I got this right? Yeah. Drop down to verse. Oh, let's go to verse 12. It says, then said Gehazi. This was, Elisha used to come through this, this part of the country, and this woman had built him a house, or, or built him a room on her house. Let me say it that way. She built him this really nice room and furnished it, and so when the man of God came by, that he would have a place to rest. And he would come by. Every time he was in the air, he would come by. And this woman was so good to him. One day he told his servant Gehazi, he says, what, what's what this family? What does this woman need? And Gehazi said, well, you know, this woman's never been able to bear a child. She's, she's walked in the gift of bearing this. And, and so Elisha, right away, he goes, 
Go get the woman. Let me read it to you. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Verse uh, 12. Then he said, Gehazi was servant, call the Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him. She stood before this man of God who carried the word, the prophetic word of God. And he said to him, say now to her, behold, you have been careful for us. You have cared for us. With all this care, what can I do for you? Would you be spoken for to the king or the captain of the army? And she answered, I am among my own people. And she said, what then is there to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, surely she has no son and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. She stood in the doorway. I want you to get this picture. Every one of us today, we're standing in the gate. We're standing in the doorway. She didn't come in. She just stood in the doorway. And you see, God was about to open a door that no man could shut. And so when he saw her in the doorway, he said, at this season next year, you will embrace a son. Man, he didn't just say you're going to have a baby. He said, you're going to have a son. This is what you call a prophet right here. And she said, he said, you're going to bear a son. No, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. The woman conceived and bore a son at that season the next year, Elijah. See, when you walk in the rest and the promise of God, you don't, you don't, even if your husband's old, you can't stop the word of the Lord. You can't stop the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is the promise of God. Whatever, has God given you a promise? Has God given you a word? So then drop on down. I want to go now. Now I'll get finished here quick. When the child was grown, verse 18, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. Probably a heat stroke out of that blazing sun and out there and she's holding him in her lap the promise the promised son the promise from the prophet very from the very mouth of God's man and there that promise died in her lap I wonder today how many of you are sitting here today and you feel like the promise of God has died in your lap Now I want you to see her response to this because it, this is where, I want you to think about this. This is where she's going she's, she, she's gonna to enter into this rest. Listen to this. Verse 22. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return. And he said, why will you go to him today? It's not a new moon nor a Sabbath. It's not a religious holiday, in other words. And she said, it will be well. See, this woman is not freaking out. She's not striving. She's not worried. She is not, he's not even anxious. She said, her faith, this is her faith talking. It'll be all right. I wonder, let me read on. It just says, then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. In other words, she's saying, go for it and run. You see, this is, this is laboring right here. See, in Hebrews 4.8, it says, let us labor to enter into that rest. The only labor that we have to do is go after God. Go after the promise. Go after what God has said. Her labor right here is saying, get me to the man of God and don't slow down. And if I got to hold on and I'm starting to get shook loose, I'll say, slow it down. But she said, don't you dare slow down. You see, that's a per person who knows where their promise is and knows where their hope is and knows where the answer is. And they're going to go after it. They're going to keep going after it. They're going to keep seeking God. We're going to keep going after God, church. City Point is going to make an impact on this city. We're going to see this city transformed by the power of God. And we're going to keep going to God, keep running to God. Our labor is to keep pressing into his presence. Our labor is to keep resting in him and standing on the promise and believing 
believing God. I'm not going to get in unbelief and say, God, how can you do this? How can this thing be? And even though God gave us a promise by many, over many years, and it looks like, well, God, when is it going to happen? I'm going to tell you, we got to stay in faith and keep running to God and keep chasing God. Now listen to what it says. It says, when the, man God's, when the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, there is the Shunanite. Run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, It is well. Some of you, the devil's trying to tell you it's not well. And you, some of you getting in agreement with him with your mouth. And today is your opportunity to stand and walk into God's rest and say, it is well. Oh, you don't know what I'm dealing with. No, you don't know the promise that God has imparted if you can't. Listen, if you, want, if you, if you can't put your trust in God, who are you going to trust? If God can't do it, who can? Oh, I think I can fix this. Oh, really? Good luck with that. You know, my famous line, people come to me all the time and they they tell me what they're doing and and they give me all this stuff they're doing and I say, well, uh, how's that working out for you? Well, it's not working too good, but at least I'm doing something. Cease striving and know the Lord thy God. When she tells the prophet, let me finish up. She says, here's what she says to the prophet. Did I ask for a son from my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? I guess, then he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins, take my staff in your hand, go your way. If you meet any man, do not salute him. If anyone salutes you, do not answer him. Don't get distracted. You know, you know what the word, one of the root words for cares is in 1 Peter 5, 7, 2? Cast your cares. Do you know what the root word, Greek word for care is? A distraction. Selah. Do not turn from the left. Keep going. So he returned. He, he says in, where, where was I? And if he was to do not, and lay my staff on the lad's face, verse 30, the mother, now listen, the mother of the lad said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. She didn't want Gehazi. She was going to stay with the man who authored and gave the promise. You, You get my drift here? Listen, I don't want you to put your trust in me. I want you to put your trust in the man who made the promise to you. His name is Jesus. And the woman said, I'm not going to, yeah, you can send Gehazi, but I ain't leaving without you, brother. And when Gehazi got there, nothing happened. Elijah walks in the room, shuts the door, lays on this child, breathes mouth to mouth, breathes right into him the breath of life and this child, this promise, this prophetic gift came back to life in that moment. I prophesy to you today that some of you who walked in here today, even in unbelief, even in your fear and your anxiety, that today, right this very minute, the Holy Spirit says to you, your promise shall live. Your prophetic promise shall live. God is not done with you. God has the last word in every situation. And I say to you today, all you have to do is have faith in God. And when you put your faith in Him, you enter into His rest. And when you enter into His rest, you enter into His celebration. And His celebration says, I have saved, I have healed, I have set you free. I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning. After Elisha, 
here's, here's a little, here's just one last phrase. After Elisha brings him out of the room, she presents him to the mother. And he says this, here's what he said. He said, take up, take up your son. Can I tell you this morning, you're either going to take up the promise or you're going to take up doubt or unbelief. I, can I tell you this exhortation today, God is saying by his spirit to you, take up the son, take up the promise, take up God's prophetic promise in your life. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. Whew, I feel God all over this place. I really do, I feel the presence of God. And some of you have been sitting with your promise dead in your lap. And you have been mourning and grieving certain days. Oh. Oh. Today the Father invites you to enter into his rest. A rest that was fully bought and paid for through his son, Jesus Christ. A rest that has everything that you need. Cast all your care on him because he cares. He cares for you. Father, make that real to hearts and lives right now, I pray. In Jesus' name. Look at me. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have not come to him and entered into him and entered into your rest in him by faith. The Bible says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We begin by this faith in him and his promise and we enter into him and we enter into this rest. If you've not done that, I'm going to invite you to come right now. Quickly come to this front. Would you come right now? Don't wait. Why would you wait to enter into this celebration? Why would you hesitate and keep from walking into this celebration where you find your life hidden in him and where you find the promises of God, yes and amen, and you believe him and find your sins forgiven and your life changed? Is there anyone here that says, yes, that's me? All right, now look at me. Everybody look at me. How many here today, you have been struggling with unbelief? You could liken yourself like that, that father who wanted his son healed. I, I believe it was his son that was demonized. and he, I think he even brought him to his disciples and, and he said... Jesus' word to him was, if you can believe, it's, it, it can be done. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And if you've been trying to struggle in this and you're striving and you've had a lack of peace and you're, the enemy's stolen your sleep and he's, he's made you anxious and he's tormented you and he's, he's just putting you through the fire and I want to invite you to come today. I want you to come right now. Come and stand around this front. I'm going to pray for you. And today you're going to enter into his rest and we're going to break the enemy's striving, the enemy's frustration, the enemy's anxiety, the enemy's fear. If you've not been walking in this rest, you know it. You know in your heart. I'm not here to embarrass anybody. I'm just here to get you free. I'm here to get you free. My, my job and the anointing that God's put on my life is to get people free. This, the anointing of God is on me here today. I feel his presence. And the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. To heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. To set the captives free. Come on, the captives are going to be set free today. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. It's tough. This unbelief thing is tough. Believe me, I've been doing my own repentance in this area. I brought all my worries, all my frets, all my fears. 
I've had to submit him to God and ask God, God, would you please forgive me for my areas of, of doubt and unbelief where I've not trusted and I've not put it all in your hands. Anyone else? I'm just going to give you one more second to come to get in on this prayer today. I'm going to ask our City Point prayer team and leadership to get behind, fall behind these people who are standing here. I want you to fall just in, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray and we're going to pray God's freedom, God's liberty. God is here today to set captives free. He's going to break this yoke. He's going to break this heavy yoke off of some people here this morning and you're going to walk away with a different yoke. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Yes. Put your hand on your heart with me right now. Father, I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Come on, pray with me. Everyone who came forward, I want you to join with me. I want you to receive this prayer. Father, I come on behalf of every heart that is standing here today. Lord, we just claim your rest today. We come into the celebration of what you have done for us and who you are for us. I break every allegiance. I break every agreement of darkness over hearts and lives. All the spirit of weariness and heaviness, all that spirit of drama and all that God burdens and, and heavy, heavy load that they've been carrying. I break that power in the name of Jesus and I release the anointing of God for them to come into the rest of God, the rest of God, the celebration of God, that joy cometh right now. Joy cometh right now, Father. Let joy be released. Let joy be released, O oh God, in people right now. Come on, raise your hands and receive the joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord has come to set you free this morning. Joy cometh. Joy cometh now, Lord. Lord, we repent of all of our areas of unbelief. We're going to cease striving. All right, now listen, everybody listen to me right now. I want you to listen, be quiet, be still for just one second.